0: Welcome to the Innovation and Compliance Podcast, part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Join us every week as we talk with industry innovators who are making compliance to help business run more efficiently and at the end of the day, more profitably. Here's your host, Tom Fox.
1: Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, back for another episode, and you're in for a treat today because we have a guest with a little bit different focus that I was, quite frankly, very interested to read about his website, his background, and what he and his wife are doing. So with that somewhat long-winded introduction, let me introduce you to Eduardo Campus. And, Eduardo, first of all, thank you for taking the time to visit with me today. Thank you for inviting me. So, Eduardo, you, your wife, and your organization do a lot of different things, But the first thing I wanted to visit with you today is the risks around cybersecurity. And I know that's on everyone's mind, literally from boards of directors down to people who have a computer on the shoproom floor. So I was wondering if I could start off by asking a little bit about your professional background and how you got into looking at this particular risk.
0: Well, I spent my last 13 years working for a large corporation that you might know, Microsoft and I've spent about 25 years in several different jobs working cybersecurity. Sometimes advising clients when I was in PwC in South America and the UK. Other times riding my own areas in Embraer, is a jet manufacturer based in Brazil, or in Bell Canada, in a large op- telecom operation in Brazil, and large telephone operator in Brazil. But uh, the most interesting thing in everything that I did in cybersecurity was always to focus on the human factor of cybersecurity. How the most expensive technology might fail if we do not prepare the human factor to help us spot threats and fight
1: cybercriminals. Eduardo, how does techie jargon really facilitate the dangers around cybersecurity, a cybersecurity breach, and the greater field of data privacy?
0: Well, I had few experiences where I saw this firsthand, when my own teams were preparing the organization to fight phishing, for example, scams via email, and they were using very technical terms. They were, Even phishing, people thought, are you talking about? going fishing, and instead of stopping and explaining to our end users in layman terms what we are trying to achieve so when you keep tossing terms like digital rights management file transfer protocol and even worse using acronyms DRM FTP people are not going to understand what we are trying to do and they might fail because they didn't know what to do they didn't know what they were fighting against, and what resources they had in their hands.
1: Hey, daughter, my wife is a IT person at her corporation, and so I hear lots of those acronyms around the house. And I have to continually ask my wife, sorry, what does that mean? Could you explain that for me? I finally got where I understand user acceptance testing, but that's really about it. So why do you, <laughs> you think cybersecurity experts, in particular, would have such a tough time simplifying things down to a layman's language or the average employee?
0: Well, sometimes it is about feeling important. So I have the power of the information, and I know know better. But in most cases, is the lack of skills. It's communication skills, and even in some cases social skills. So it is because those professions are so technical and they are used to interact with technology, computers, applications, they are not prepared to listen to people that are unfamiliar with technology or to interact with them. And it's not me just saying that. There's a very interesting study done by two professors at West Point, Professors Dawson and Tansom. It's called The Future cybersecurity workforce going beyond technical skills. It's very interesting because they showed that a successful cybersecurity teams are the ones where the individuals, the members of the team had social skills, communication skills. They were able to talk in layman terms. They were able to interact with people. That's because either they were natural or they were trained to, be, to act like that. So in every large project I deal with, one thing that I make a point is to ensure that our professionals delivering the project are prepared to communicate in layman terms with the end users, the ones that will be impacted by anything we are implementing.
1: Eduardo, before this podcast started, I would have probably said that the training element and the communication element would be from the IT professional to the average employee or someone like myself. But after listening to you for a few minutes, I'm beginning to think that the training element and indeed the communication element perhaps should be directed to both the IT professional and the individual employee as well.
0: You are right. When I was working for Bell Canada in Brazil, And we had an operation being created in 258 days in 70% of the Brazilian territory. I was helping to create the security departments from the ground up. So I partnered with the communications manager, a woman, very skillful communicator. And she helped me a lot because it was even worse. We had to prepare guidance and train our end users at all levels, in French, in English, in Portuguese. So it was really complicated, but she was so, so very well prepared. She taught me so much about what to do and how to do it, when to listen, because in technology we tend to talk a lot and we are so excited with technology. And we forget about the other party, the the receiver of our message. So you are completely right. We need to think of a two-way communication a two-way training approach.
1: Eduardo, that really holds for, I would say, my people, the compliance people as well. And one of the things that I take from the compliance space is that the communications process does not start after you've been hired. It starts before you've been hired and it starts during the hiring process. Is that, at least from the compliance perspective, would that also hold true from cybersecurity for IT or a general technological expert that a company would hire that you need to look for good communicators and really facilitate those communicating skills throughout the employment lifecycle?
0: Yes, I agree that it starts with the hiring. It starts even earlier with the defining in designing the jobs that will deal with IT technology implementation of a cybersecurity program development implementation. It is about focusing on the skills needed for the job to be well done and then looking for during the recruiting, selection process, hiring process to look for people that are, have those skills or that could be easily trained for those skills. So I can give you an example. I was in a group interview with Network World, a magazine focused on IT, and they were talking about the importance of communication skills and how to ensure IT professionals moving from the data center to the cloud, what skills they would need. And then we were talking about the need of not putting blame on the professionals only, but working together with HR in the corporations, in the organizations, to design job descriptions that uh, talk about the skills, but not only technical skills, but a social skills to interact with people, with the communication skills to talk to people, listening skills to listen to the people affected by the technology.
1: Eduardo, I attend a lot of cybersecurity fraud conferences and others where there's a discussion, usually led by some cybersecurity expert. And almost every time when they turn to the issue of a company being breached, hacked, their defenses being overcome, it's because of a human error. There are, of course, situations where a technical breach could occur through something other than a human error. But I guess. In your experiences, why are hackers so often able to trick employees? Is it that we are just taught to be too trusting? One reason could be that,
0: but we can also step back and think about what's going on in terms of this ever-increasing threat scenario. It is so overwhelming. The criminals have all the time in their hands to plot new ways of attack. Specifically with the attacks, recent data breaches where you see the human factor playing a big role, is because people in key positions, either because they managed financials for the organization or because they were in charge of giving access to highly sensitive assets in the organization, such as administration rights for a network managing personal sensitive data, those people were targeted. By what we call like if I'm familiar with this spear phishing that is really attackers that go to the social networks, go to the web, and identify, they profile those individuals and they craft emails that are seem to be so real that if those users are not prepared to identify fake emails, they will fall for it. So it's really normal that a human factor isn't at the center of those big breaches. What it's not normal is that we are not preparing well those people. We cannot just put a blame like the other day. I saw that a CIO in a government organization at the county level was fired after a breach, but he had been trying to get budgets in training and upgrades to technology for years. And then now that the breach happened and there was a case of a ransomware where all the information was encrypted and they could not access the information in the city, he was just fired. He was a scapegoat. So what's not normal is that we are not preparing people and we are not investing technology to fight those cyber criminals.
1: Eduardo, if I could change the focus just a little bit, because in preparing for this podcast, I was very intrigued by your business and your business model. It's entitled Embedded Knowledge, Inc., which you and your wife run together. And I was wondering if you might be able to give us a few words about Embedded Knowledge and the services you offer.
0: Sure. At Embedded Knowledge, we start with the concept that all the information needed to solve a complex problem lives within the system. It is a concept. It's a public concept. But we've been doing problem-solving, solution design for years in our careers. We have a combined 50-year tenure between both of us, but we came up with an idea of designing an easy way for managers, for leaders, when facing a complex problem, not just jumping into solving it, but a stepping back, looking for the root cause, and then start designing Solution options could be using a known methodology like design thinking or creating value propositions using business model generation approaches. It is really working with the information that lives within the system, in culture, in procedures, in policies. It is using the information that is there, is unlocking, unleashing the information that is there talking to people, interviewing them, doing walkthroughs. We love to work with people. So it is our approach for cybersecurity, for compliance, for governance, risk management, that we help enable leaders to unlock, unleash that information that is living in the system.
1: Eduardo, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time. But I was wondering if any of uh, our listeners wanted to get in touch with you or find out more about your company, Embedded Knowledge. How could they do so?
0: Well, I'd say they could go to our book website, because from there they can go to the Embedded Knowledge. They can download free chapter of our book from Problem Solving to Solution Design. We designing solutions for complex problems. It's eeCampus.com. W-E-C-A-M-P-O-S dot com. From there, they can get in touch with us. They can download a free chapter of our book. There's a free assessment, 10 Question Quiz, where they can assess their organization's ability to design solutions for complex problems. It's for free. And there's also a newsletter.
1: Eduardo, this has just been a fascinating interview, and I greatly look forward to continuing the conversation.
0: Thank you so much for the opportunity, Simmons, here. I love your podcasts. I've been through them. I highly recommend because your approach is what's winning in large organizations. If you're a compliance professional looking for a convenient and effective way to fulfill your continuing education requirements, go to fcpacompliancereport.com slash courses and choose from four hour-long training packages that will keep you current. That's fcpacompliancereport.com slash courses.